Welcome to The Word at First Pres. During the fall, we're doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. Each week, we're going to examine a different aspect of how the pandemic has changed our lives. We're going to reflect on our experiences and process what we've gained and lost. Thanks for listening. Our first reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. When they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus, knelt before him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and the boy was cured instantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today, it comes from John chapter 4, verses 3 through 18 and 25 to 26. It says, Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir... Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. So if you were here last week, then you know we're doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. And so each week we're going to be looking at a different aspect of how the pandemic impacted our lives. 
And for some of us, the pandemic, it impacted us in really difficult, challenging ways. For others of us, we actually thrived in the pandemic and we reset our priorities. The goal of this particular sermon series is to look at how the pandemic impacted the world, how it impacted us personally, and how our faith can lead us towards healing. Now, each week, we're going to begin this particular sermon series with a series of interviews. And these interviews are going to lay the foundation for what we're talking about throughout the rest of the sermon. Now, if you were here last week, I told you this, and I'm going to tell you this again so we're all on the same page, which is that the people who did these interviews, they were very vulnerable. They really, you know, sit in front of a camera talking about the hard things that happened to you. Not easy to do. So if you see them, thank them for what they did and tell them you appreciate it because what they've given us is a real gift to our congregation. This morning, you're going to hear from two people. You're going to hear from Katie Allen, who is a member of our church and also our director of children's ministries. And you're also going to hear from Mark Bishop. And Mark Bishop is a longtime member and a trustee of this community. So why don't we take a look and see what they have to say. The World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic. More than 3,700 people have now been added to the COVID-19 death toll in New York City. COVID-19 has battered the global economy, causing the worst recession since the Great Depression. COVID has killed more people in one day than the number of people killed on D-Day. Before the pandemic, we had what I would describe as a very typical family life. Two daughters, one in junior high, one in high school, both were busy with sports, both were busy with extracurricular activities. We were driving someone, somewhere, it felt like almost every evening. The basketball season was just coming to an end and uh, we were busy. We were probably, like a lot of other families, 100 miles an hour all the time. Our goal when we retired was to travel. When COVID started, we were down in Arizona. We uh, ended up staying in Arizona for, oh, gosh, three weeks longer than what we anticipated. And then we drove home, um, trying to stop as little as possible. I feel like things started falling like dominoes. I received an alert on my phone that um, one Thursday afternoon was going to be the last time junior high had extracurricular activities. And then it was over that weekend that they closed uh, school for the next two weeks. And it just felt like we were losing things by degree. It didn't feel like it happened all at one time. Thankfully, the basketball season came to an end. They were able to finish up their championship uh, games. And then it just all slowly came to a halt. What happened was, as the summer wore on, the differences in how Emily and May responded to the pandemic really started to show. Emily very much wanted to continue playing basketball. We didn't have a problem with that. We knew that there were risks, but for a child like Emily, the risks of not being able to play sports and have that outlet were much greater than the chance that she might um, bring the virus home. 
On the other hand, our other daughter, May, very much wanted us to hunker down. She wanted us to be safe, ultimately for our family's sake, but also for the sake of others that we were in contact with. And it became very challenging to honor Emily's needs of socializing and the physical outlet and honoring May's desire for us all to be safe and some concerns she had about what would happen if Eric or I were to get sick. We had a lot of conversations with um, both of them together about the risks we knew that we were allowing Emily to take with sports, but we also talked to May about the need to still be able to do things and do them safely. I drove my uh, father-in-law back to Ohio after Thanksgiving and I was driving back, uh, doing just fine, and made it to Warsaw, Indiana, where I started feeling really bad. And I started throwing up like every five minutes, and I couldn't drive any further. Uh, got back here, uh, thought that I'd, maybe it was just food poisoning. Next morning, I got up and I couldn't do a thing. Uh, so she took me right to the hospital. I uh, ended up uh, having a, um, hiatal hernia, um, which I'm sure most people have heard of, but it burst and my stomach exploded up through the hiatal hernia up behind my lungs. I was in intensive care for, oh gosh, three days, I think, and uh, then in the hospital for three weeks and then in uh, rehab for three months. Doctor never did tell me, but the nurses told me. Uh, most everybody that's ever had this died. Um, and uh, I asked my sister about that. Um, she said, yeah, I talked to my own doctor about it. And he, uh, he said, he shouldn't be alive. Somebody was watching for him. Probably one of the biggest losses we experienced was not being able to see uh, Eric's mom throughout the summer. He had to make a couple trips out there. She had a change in, uh, like a big life change. She actually moved from her home to a, an assisted living facility. That was very challenging and that he wasn't able to provide her the physical support that he would have liked. He wasn't ever able to go into her new apartment. He still hasn't been able to, not being able to be there just physically for his mom over the phone is one thing, but really when you have such a huge life change, it was hard uh, for him to not be there to support her. My uh, youngest daughter gave birth to her son, unfortunately, a month early. And so I wasn't able to see that. I got to see my family from a distance, you know, out through the window or on Zoom. So my iPad was the uh, saving grace for me. They kept wanting me to talk to a psychiatrist <laughs> for depression. Um, I tried to stay upbeat as possible. I was lucky enough to uh, have an incredible group of friends that just kept calling. So that was a huge help. I got to see him um, and, uh, and her at the exact same time. They, uh, they had the little welcome home grandpa uh, shirts made up. The tougher one is the uh, granddaughter that was born in July. She doesn't know who I am. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I was gone from her for three and a half, four months. So 
little Ricky was, you know, he's only three months old at that point, so um, he, he didn't notice any difference. Now he's, he and I are best friends. He, he smiles for me all the time. So. We're looking forward to traveling. Um, we really want to be able to get out and do some more things without thinking so much about them, not worrying about uh, what numbers are in a particular state or um, how safe it is to be in a group or eat in a restaurant and just be able to relax a little bit and enjoy the things that we were used to enjoying back before the pandemic started. So if you were here last week, uh, you know that we talked about the loss of community and how that impacted us. And this week is really an extension of that same theme where we're going to be talking about the loss of experiences. Now, I have a feeling, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, uh, that you had a number of things planned, probably, experiences you were looking forward to in 2020 and 2021. Am I right about that? Absolutely, right? I think we all were. And I think those experiences, they were either canceled, delayed, or in some instances, they were completely scaled back from what we expected they would be. We went through with them anyway, and we tried to have them regardless. And whether we're talking about family get-togethers, graduations, weddings, study abroad programs, even funerals, whatever we're talking about here, the fact is when you lose those experiences, the fact that we couldn't do them, it can feel somewhat overwhelming to us that we were unable to do them. And one of the reasons why it felt overwhelming is because the reasons why we couldn't do this were out of our control. It was a force outside of our control, yes? Absolutely. So, and this force, by the way, you couldn't see it. A virus is, of course, microscopic. And so everything that we were doing to stop the spread of it, all the preventative measures, everything we were doing, it feels like sometimes you're doing all these things for something that's not quite real, right? Like, because you can't see it. And I think that this is a big reason why people struggle. Indeed, I think it's a big reason, one of many, why some people just deny that COVID is real altogether. Because the fact is, if we're going to take a step back, many, many people in our population, they are very concrete thinkers. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Okay, concrete thinker. A concrete thinker is somebody who struggles with abstract thought, thinking about things in the abstract. And so to be a concrete thinker, right, it means that it's, you have to kind of see it. It has to be in front of you. And, of course, it's, can you see COVID-19? I don't know. If you can, let me know. I'd like to, like to talk to you about that. The only way you can see it is if you have an electron microscope, right? And since most of us don't have those just sitting around in the back of our house where we can just examine it, right, the fact is we have to use our imaginations. You have to understand how viruses function and spread. And if you can't imagine those things, then it's very hard for you to grasp how it can be real. But I assume that most of you in here, you can at least understand how viruses function. Am I right about that? You have a sense of it? A little bit here and there? Yes? No? Yeah? Okay. Even if you get it, that doesn't mean that it's easy to just let go of those experiences, right? Because it's one thing if you're walking along a road and you have a goal to get somewhere and an actual wall is standing in your way. If you come to a wall that's standing in front of you, your mind says, oh, I can't get past that. Like, I can't obviously do the thing I wanted to do. But when you can't see the thing, 
right, that's preventing you from moving forward, it creates a cognitive dissonance in your mind. So here's what's happening, right? On the one hand, you understand that this virus is real, yes, and that you can't go out and do things because it's dangerous. We get that, right? But on the other hand, you can't actually see the thing that's preventing you from going to do it. And so your mind's like, hey, why can't we go do the experience? There's nothing there stopping you. And so that tension is actually what we've been dealing with for 18 months. And that tension is actually what makes us feel the loss much heavier than it would normally be when it comes to these experiences. Are you with me so far? Okay. It's just important because this is a big part of why it hurts about it. I just needed to talk about that. Okay. Now, we heard from two different people about their loss of experiences. Mark Bishop, his is pretty remarkable, right? So the man gets sick. He has a hiatal hernia, which, of course, a lot of people get that. But his, it bursts, which, of course, is very unfortunate because that caused all of these problems that he dealt with. Now, he, what you didn't hear in that video is that after he gets out of ICU, after he goes to the hospital, once he's in rehab, he actually contracts COVID on top of all of that. So he gets COVID and he's in, he, he goes through all of this. He's away from his family for more than four months as he's dealing with all of this. And because of the COVID protocols, you know, he can't be around anyone. And so not only is he isolated and by himself, but he's missing out on all of these experiences that he was looking forward to, right? Specifically, the birth of his grandchildren. I mean, you could hear in his voice how soul-crushing it was that he couldn't be there with them, how much it hurt him. And of course, the tough thing about when you're talking about little babies, right, is that you need to be with them, right? You need to spend time with them for them to get to know you. They need to know your smell, to, to recognize who you are. And of course, he could see them on Skype and Zoom and all those things, but it's not quite the same, right? And so he's having to create those relationships really from scratch. And uh, when we did this interview, when I talked to him, I mean, the re it's just, you could just see the hurt in everything that he went through. And so much of this, of course, as I said, was out of his control. It's not like he made that choice, right? It's one thing if you choose to do it. It's a whole other thing when it is just thrust upon you. And this made me think about the scripture that we read this morning. You heard from Judy about the boy who's suffering from epilepsy. So today, we understand why epilepsy occurs, do we not? So epilepsy is the result of electrical signals in your brain going haywire, right? That's why you have the seizures. Back when that story was written, they didn't know that. They had no idea that that was the case. And so what they would do is they thought that it was, what, a demon or an unclean spirit or something that was causing all that. But I thought about this story from the perspective of the dad, right? Because it's a father who asked Jesus to come and intervene. So imagine it for a moment, right? The dad... He doesn't understand the cause of the epileptic seizure, right? But he does understand the consequence of what happens. He sees what happens. His boy has a seizure, he falls into the fire. The boy has a seizure, he falls into water. I mean, he sees what's happening. This is very similar to what's happening to us. Can we see the cause of the pandemic? No. Can we see the consequence of the pandemic? Absolutely we can. And because it's so out of our control, it can feel like the world we're living in right now is very unjust. Do you know what I mean by that? 
Like, when you have no control over the situation and things are just happening to you, it feels unjust. And this is where people can blame God for what happens to them. Because if you believe that God is in control of everything, then you believe that God is doing this to you. And I have to stand up here and say, I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's the way that God works and operates. And I have good reason to believe that. So I don't believe that God created COVID-19. I don't believe that God wants people to get sick and die. I just don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because God gives us free will. You have a choice, do you not? As does every other organism on this planet, including microscopic viruses. Now their free will is a little bit different from ours, right? But still, we live in this system where we have a choice. And so because we live in this system where God says, you can do what you want, and there are viruses that can mutate and come out of the world in which we live, it just goes forward. And so rather than controlling it, I believe that God mourns alongside us when these things happen. So with Mark, what I want to say to him is God didn't do this to you. God doesn't want you to suffer. God didn't want you to go through these things. And for any of you who might have had health problems and health concerns or family members who did, I need you to hear this. God does not want you to suffer in this way. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, you may not agree with me, but it's what I believe to be true. Now, Mark's story is a very extreme example, is it not? All right. And when you hear his story, it's kind of the story that you would hear in the media from time to time because it's a story that they could show and of course it's an extreme example of what was happening. But then we look at somebody like Katie Allen and I think that her story is really reflective of a lot of what many of us went through, right? In our lives. A lot of us went through what she went through and it may seem like an odd pairing, right? Like that we put Mark with Katie because Katie's talking about, you know, her girl's not being able to go out and do sports, and Mark's like, I almost died. So, you know, you're talking about two very different things that are going on, but they represent a spectrum, right? On one end, you have an extreme of Mark, and on the other hand, you have what a lot of us went through. And what did Katie go through? Well, what Katie went through is that the pandemic hits, everything shuts down, and now she has to deal with the impact on her, her husband, and her two daughters. And of course, none of them are reacting the same way to everything being shut down. Familiar to you at all, right? Like everybody has their own way of dealing with this. And with her two daughters, May wanted to hunker down. She wanted to be inside. She didn't want to have to deal with them possibly going out and getting infected. Understandable. And then you have Emily on the other side of it who's like, I want to go be with my friends, right? And so Katie has to navigate both of those things. She has to walk the tightrope. And even if you weren't with other people, you had to navigate that within yourself, did you not? Because you had the desire to go out and be social, or you had to work with staying home. How much do I stay back to make sure I don't get infected? We all had to deal with that tension. Now, what I noticed is that as the pandemic got started, and as my social outlets kind of started to narrow down and I couldn't do anything, I came to realize something very interesting, which is that many, many of the experiences that I valued in my life came from chance encounters throughout my day. So I don't know about you, but my schedule is pretty regimented. Is that true for you guys? I tend to do a lot of the same things. Like 
I get up, I go to the gym, I go to work, I go to meetings. It's a lot of the same stuff over and over again in my routine. But what I realized once I got cut off from that is how I would have these random chance encounters with people who I hadn't seen for a while, or maybe somebody who I meet who is new, and I get pulled into these experiences that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, where somebody might say, hey, will you come and do this with me? And I just go. And so when I think about what Emily was talking about, you know, where this is, you know, uh, Katie's daughter Emily wants to go and be with her friends. Like, I get being with your friends, but what's something else that comes along with that? Go back, I want you to go back in your mind, right, to when you were a child or when you were a teenager, right? Remember being a teenager? You'd be hanging out with your friends, you have a couple people over, and then somebody else random would just like come over, right? Another person would come in, and then you guys would just go do stuff together, right? And just go random. It's usually stupid stuff, but you go and you'd have fun, right? So you go and have these experiences together. And as you get older, because you get into these routinized patterns, they don't happen as much. But those experiences where you just meet new people and do things kind of off the cuff, those mean a lot. Those can change your lives. Random encounters have changed my life. So I met my wife as a result of a random encounter at a birthday party. So I was at school. I was a senior at Rice University. And I was part of a Bible study, and this guy in the Bible study was having a birthday party. I didn't like this guy very much, if I'm being honest with you, so I didn't really want to go. I decided to go at the very last minute. And Courtney uh, actually felt the same way. Didn't know that at the time, but she knew the guy, didn't really want to go either. So we both go to this birthday party, and there's all these people at this big long table at a restaurant, and he's sitting at one end, I'm sitting at the other for obvious reasons. And he's there, and then Courtney is sitting next to me because she's at the other end of the table from him as well. And we get into a conversation and she's just like blown away by my theological knowledge. And <laughs> of course, you know, it's like love at first sight, obviously, right? So as a result of that chance encounter, I got married to this wonderful woman, and I wouldn't have had that happen if I hadn't randomly got up and gone to this party, right? And so many of these things that happen to us, so many of these wonderful things that happen to us are the product of these chance encounters. In the Bible, we read this morning about Jesus. He's sitting next to a well, right? And his disciples, they've gone into the city so they can get some food, and this woman she comes out to the well to get water. She doesn't know who Jesus is, right? No, I, this is a random guy, probably just sitting in, his, in her way. Like, get out of the way. I need to get some water, right? And so she starts talking to him. He strikes up a conversation. And as the conversation proceeds, what happens is he reveals that he not only can see inside of her heart, but he knows about her personal affairs. And as a result of this random encounter, it completely changes her belief about him like she's like no i feel like i met the messiah like she walks away that changes her life so much of jesus's ministry is the result of random chance encounters he's just walking along doing his thing he sees somebody he meets them and their lives are changed as a result and i think that what we don't appreciate about the pandemic is that those random chance encounters were stripped away from us for a long time and those things are the experiences that can actually really make us whole in ways that we hadn't realized before. Because, yes, did we lose out on the big experiences like what Mark 
was, I mean, obviously that's so hard. You're looking to the birth of your grandchildren and you definitely want to be there for that. Like, that's hard. And graduations and weddings and all these things that we missed out on, those are big. But we also missed out on these wonderfully random chance encounters that can enrich our lives in unexpected ways. And so, as I end this morning, and I'm ending a little earlier, I can see the tears in your eyes as a result of that, uh, because we watch the videos and all these different things, I think we need to take some time to mourn the loss of those big experiences. Like right now, tomorrow, my brother-in-law is getting married over in Spain. We were supposed to be there for that. This is Courtney's brother. And we decided not to go because we had to make a decision August 15th. August 15th, Spain was at level four. That's right before, the next level up from that is you shut the country down. So we said, nah, we're not going to do it. I'm sorry. Which is hard, right? We have to mourn that because we're not going to be there for this really important moment in his life. But we had to make a decision. And unfortunately, that was the decision we made. So you have to go through a mourning process. There's anger, there's sadness, there's grief. You've got to let all that go. Eventually. But then on the other side of it, there are these random encounters that we've been missing out on. And those are so very important that we get back into those because that, in my opinion, is where we find God the most. And so my hope and my prayer for you today is that you might reclaim those lost experiences in your life and do it here at church. Do you know everybody who's sitting in here? Look around. I guarantee you don't know most of these people, right? Masks, it's hard to tell anyway, right? But you don't know them. Take the time to get to know some of these people who you don't know. Get to know them because that's going to create those random chance encounters. And who knows what experiences might come out of that. But also, I think we need those encounters right now. We need those random chance encounters with all these people because those are the opportunities that are going to really enrich our lives in truly unexpected ways. And I'm so glad we're together again to have those random chance encounters with each other. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.